Uh, Matthew chapter 5, then again, we'll read verses 1 through 16, mainly looking at verses 1 through 12. I hear the word of God. Seeing the crowds, he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so we pray there would be among us uh, this morning. Jesus knew how to preach. Jesus knows how to preach, but we see it here in the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus knows how to preach. Over the course of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 uh, through 7, really we have some of the, the richest material in the Scriptures. If if for the rest of my ministry I was only allowed to preach from Matthew 5 through 7, I would, I would not be disappointed. Uh, so much that we can come back to again and again here. I'm sure for some of you, the statements that Jesus makes here, some of the, the images uh, that, he, uh, that he pictures for us here, they stay with you. Uh, they, they challenge you. They, they encourage you. Uh, and we just continue to hold on to as things we don't, uh, don't let go of. By the end of the sermon in, uh, in, uh, in Matthew 7 and, and 8 there, um, the people are amazed. It's what every pastor imagines at the end of the sermon. You know, people are marveling and astonished. But with Jesus, people are astonished at his teaching, and, and big crowds uh, follow him from there on, it speaks of. Uh, and, of course, all the other teachers are jealous. And it, and it advances that, uh, that side of the plot a little bit further all the way through uh, here. But Jesus, uh, like everywhere, he is proclaiming exactly what we need to hear. Uh, he is proclaiming exactly what we need to hear, which is the kingdom of God and that the king has come. That Jesus has come as our Lord, as our Savior, to rescue us. That the hope long promised and the hope deeply needed now has a fulfillment. 
Someone that we look to and there is hope and redemption, rescue for us and Him. He's proclaiming Himself for us. And as Jesus begins uh, this sermon, he comes up onto the, to the mountain and he sits down and his disciples come to him. And what he starts off talking about is blessing, right? Blessing uh, that he emphasizes that in one sense that above all others, it is Jesus' disciples who are blessed. And he describes the fullness of blessing, the context of that blessing and what it looks like to be his followers And so get to enjoy that rescue, that hope of salvation that comes through him. I want to emphasize uh, that blessing so that we don't forget it along the way. Because as Jesus describes who's blessed, there's a lot of uh, challenges uh, to us. If maybe uh, what we would normally opt for or think of or hope that they're the ones who are are blessed, right? So he doesn't mention the, the rich and the prosperous, When you have everything that's going just the way you want it to, right? We say, oh, blessed. I'm so blessed. That's great. Every good thing comes from God. Uh, But when Jesus talks about blessing here, that's not the perspective that he brings, is it? It's not just that outward uh, look of of prosperity or or things present in the day. And and listen, you can still, when people sneeze, you can still say, bless you. When you're, when you're talking about someone, someone struggles, the difficulties that you're going through, you can still say, bless his heart. It's fine. <laughs> you can be a well-wisher to people and want to point them to God and say, have a, have a blessed day, right? But here, when Jesus speaks about blessing, he's talking about the fullness of blessing, uh, the fullness of salvation that is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God itself. It's being satisfied fully. It's the things that we get to have in part now through the Spirit, but in fullness in the, in the new heavens and the new earth and the new creation. When Jesus is describing blessing, it's not in a light and casual way. It's the, the fullness of all the hopes of the promises of God brought in through Jesus who is the source of blessing. And he's describing that he gives that to his disciples, those who follow him, because he is uh, that king and that savior that we need. And so in emphasizing that, each of these first uh, sentences begins with that word, blessed, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, every time he comes back to that blessed, and we can translate it uh, fortunate, we're going to speak of it that way. Uh, You really, you can translate uh, this word as, as happy, get a little confused when you get to the second beatitude, you know, happy are the, are the sad. Uh, that's the idea of it, though. That's part of what Jesus is bringing out for that, that blessing, that fortune, that happiness that comes uh, from God, the benefit of, of his love uh, poured out to us. And it is Jesus' disciples, it's true believers, uh, his followers who are blessed above all others. In these verses, Jesus is giving for us a picture of true uh, kingdom disciples, of who it is that receives uh, that fullness of hope and the promises uh, that he's made. He describes for us what those disciples looked like, that it's, that it's kingdom disciples. So we want to ask the question, uh, what is a kingdom disciple? What does it mean to truly be a follower of Jesus in the way that he describes uh, his kingdom and the salvation that he's bringing? So we're kind of asking, is that us, right? 
What does it look like to be a true follower of Jesus, to be a kingdom disciple? Or, or another way where that question kind of gets to is, uh, who's blessed? Who gets to receive uh, that fullness of blessing that Jesus talks to? Listen, as we, as we ask that question, I want to keep in mind a con- that Jesus is intentionally making a contrast here. Uh, the kingdom disciples, Jesus' followers, are, are distinctive. Uh, he's intentionally making a contrast that his followers are not like the world. His, his followers are not like all the people around them. Their priorities and values of an, of an unbelieving uh, context, those who aren't looking to Jesus. His followers should be distinctive, different from that. And also, he's making two contrasts, not like the world, and also not like the Pharisees. Not like the, the religious good guys, because the Pharisees were very much looked up to as here are the people who know the word, know the scriptures of what God has written, and they are intentionally living their lives to try to please God, to try to do what God has said we should do. They were more intentional than anyone else in focusing their life toward, toward this thing of, of doing and being what we should be before God. That's how it looked like among the people. Uh, And Jesus brings that out throughout the Sermon on the Mount, this contrast. But even here, as he starts with the Beatitudes, and what a kingdom disciple looks like, it's not like the world, and it's not like the impressive uh, religious elite of the day uh, and the Pharisees. Now, we're going to try to answer that question, what is a disciple, uh, in, in, in two parts. Sometimes people find that answer uh, in two parts, talk about some commentators talk about the Beatitudes as having two, uh, t- two tablets, much like the Ten Commandments, right? So it's the first part of the Ten Commandments to look toward our relationship with God, and the second part to look toward our relationship uh, with others. And I think there's more than that to the Beatitudes, but we can certainly see some of that uh, development here, and we'll, we'll look at it in that way. Uh, so first then, I want to see uh, <coughs> on that, the first, uh, first few Beatitudes, a blessed uh, what are kingdom disciples? Blessed are kingdom disciples, for they recognize their own need. They recognize the deep, ugly need of their lives, and they're open about that, and live in light of how full that need is, even though it's costly to do so. And those costly in how they live. Right? I love the Beatitudes and they're wonderful, but let's, let's start off acknowledging uh, that, uh, that it's not the most appealing description that's described here. Right? When, when Jesus starts off saying this, it's not the, the most appealing uh, description for us. If he had started off and said, uh, blessed are the confident, blessed are uh, the joyful, blessed are the powerful and the virtuous, right? We would be like, that's great. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to jump into, right? How great. Jesus is going to bring us there, and, and here's what his, his promises to us in it. But instead, he says, the poor in spirit, the, the grieving, sad mourners, uh, the meek and those uh, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Now, listen, there's a, a deep beauty to what Jesus describes, But the surface of it, it's not pretty. It's not what we want to look like. It's not what we want to have to look like. It's not what we want to be uh, open about looking like. Maybe this is why Jesus talks later about that warning of the, uh, if you're you're the light, don't hide it. 
We'll get to that next week. We'll look at those sections. Uh, but there's something about this that we don't really want to be open about, uh, the fullness of our need. And we tend to focus on the positive side of these, these characteristics, but I want to make sure that we don't lose the intentional contrast that Jesus is bringing here. It talks about poor in spirit, poverty. Poverty is not, it's what we want to avoid us seeing. Because it's hard to see, and we don't want people to, to see something like that in us. And I don't mean poverty in the sense of just uh, not willing to, to work hard in order to, to advance your state or situation. Uh, but the type of poverty that maybe you think of more in, in, uh, in, in third world countries, but the type of poverty, still here, the type of poverty where no matter how hard you work and what you, what you set yourself to, you can't make enough. You can't be enough. You can't have enough. Uh, to support yourself, to support your family, uh, to live life in any sense of what's not just wanted, but needed. And I, here he says poor in spirit, right? Luke mentions it just, blessed are the poor. Uh, and he says, woe to those who are rich now. And, right? Brings out the contrast in a different way. But it's the same thing when it comes to poor in spirit, right? It's not a pretty picture. Uh, um, we don't want people to see uh, the, the poverty of our inward selves either. Um, blessed are the depressed, the discouraged, uh, the insecure, right? That's, that's part of poverty in spirit. I dread people seeing just how insecure my heart really is in things uh, and try to project some kind of confidence, right? That's how we tend to go about life. Uh, blessed are those whose insecurity shows, whose discouragement where they don't know, uh, don't have a sense of confidence in what they can offer, feel like they're, they're incapable of advancing anything. That, that's who's blessed, right? Ooh. Okay, it's not, it's not just the, the pretty picture. Are you with me here? Uh, blessed are the, the mourn. Grieving is so important. But let's not pretend like it's a pretty picture. Ah, when, you, when, you, when the tears are flowing down someone's face and they're gasping for breath because it hurts so hard that just breathing and living is difficult. When you see someone doubled over in pain, emotional pain, that there's just not a, a, a quick fix or soothing solution for. You would say, don't cry, don't cry, because it hurts to be with it and see it. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, who, who ugly cry and grieve over the reality of what's really wrong in our world and with us. Listen, meekness, blessed are the meek. Meek is a, is a great quality. Uh, we certainly want to see that. It, it really is. But we also tend to look at that as, as weakness or associate it with weakness. And it's not always the values that we, that we lift up uh, most highly, right? We want to see someone who has uh, that confidence of a, of a leader who is, uh, who is an achiever and making things, making things happen, who's capable, um, who, who brings uh, things out. And the, the meek person isn't the one who knows how to take the reins, or who does at least, uh, take the reins, speak up, and bring everything the way that they see that it should be, whether they're right or, or not. Uh, it's the person who's, who's just there going along with it. Blessed are the, the, those hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And I know we, we can speak of just, just how important and how beautiful uh, that is, but... But maybe we get the, the ugly side more if, if we translate a little bit different or talked about it different. Uh, 
Blessed are the starving. Blessed are the, the languishing and the parched who are a famished because they can't find things that are right. Because nothing seems to go the way that it's supposed to. Because their own righteousness is lacking and it's not even just them. Things aren't right with the people around them and with the world uh, around us. And you see, it's not always the, the most appealing uh, description that Jesus gives. And, and he gives that in order to make that contrast, right? It's a contrast with the, with the, with the world that wants to say it's important to, to project confidence. If you want to make it well in the world and have people see uh, something about you, and all that insecurity is there, but find something that you can be confident in and keep thinking about that. Right, present that and, and go forward. Project uh, that confidence. Uh, focus only on the positive things. Don't get tied down in all the negatives and the critical that would, that would bring out sadness. Focus on the positive. Um, accent your shrieks. Don't be meek. Right, take the things that you're strong in. Lead, lead with those. Um, and if you're, if you're strong enough, if you have that internal character and resolve, be the person that makes your own ethics. Uh, make things right and set the, set the way that it grows, right? That's a different way maybe we look at in the world that Jesus is contrasting both with the worldly sense but also uh, with the Pharisees, with that religious uh, do-gooder sense. They would say you need to make sure that you present yourself with a, with a strong, as strong spiritually, right? That you're always, always praising God and talking about the good things in it, uh, that you are ready to dominate the world for God, that you're ready to, to take things on uh, for Jesus, whatever it is, and showing off your righteousness or pretended righteousness to others. Showing off how well uh, you're doing it, right? And both of those things, on the religious side or on the worldly side, don't we fall into it as well? It's a contrast that Jesus is making for us to say, here's who my followers are. Here's who I'm blessing. And so I know that you want to not acknowledge your need, but see your need and see the depth of it, that you would look to me, that you would have uh, that fullness that I offer and that I bring. So it's not the most uh, appealing uh, description, but it's a far more accurate depiction for us of the human condi condition. Part of what Jesus is saying here is instead of pretending that things aren't as bad as they should be, Engage the reality of it. It's not, here, muster up some particular a character or courage that should be hard and difficult. Let go of faking it. Let go of trying to be enough on your own. Let go of saying, it's not Jesus that I need or it's not this that I need. I, I can do it. And, and open up about the beauty, the the depth of the brokenness, right? Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the right response for all of us at any time and what we can all appreciate and engage in is these things that he's talking about. There's that, there's that mourning of sin and death and brokenness. Uh, there's a poverty of, of spirit that we're not just there in the cool of day walking with God and enjoying uh, his fellowship with there being nothing wrong in us. Um, we're less confident. We admit a lack of righteousness since, uh, since that day in the garden. Uh, and realizing that we fully lack all that's needed. It's what Jesus has invited his followers to. 
He's saying, it's okay to say that you need me. It's good for you to see just how much you need me, but I have come and brought all the blessings of heaven to give them to you. But for you to continue acknowledging that that source is me and it's not in you at all. Right? So instead of faking a spiritual confidence, either before God or one another, openly admitting the deep ugliness of our hearts, the depth that pride has a hold on us, that sin continues to creep in on every side so that hope has to come outside of us for us to have, have any future and any good things. And it's so refreshing uh, to see someone actually engaging that, being honest about the reality of where all of us are. Uh, to go, oh, it's not just me. I'm trying to hide that, and, and you're in it with me together. And we share this, this poverty in spirit. Uh, <clears throat> and doesn't it take seeing that spiritual poverty to want to ask for the Spirit, uh, to ask that God would give His Spirit to us. And He promises, uh, whoever asks of me, I'm a father, I don't give bad gifts to my children. Whoever asks of me of the Holy Spirit, I will give Him to you. And for us to ask as we know the Spirit, uh, for more of the Spirit, right? Create a, create a clean heart in me and renew a, a right spirit within me. Pour out your Holy Spirit and fill us more so with your fullness within us, Lord. We only ask for that when we realize we don't already have it. But as we see that need and come to Jesus, he fills, uh, he blesses uh, with himself. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the mo- those who mourn. Um, and I'll say, I struggle to mourn. Uh, it's so important and it's so helpful, but it, but it hurts so much to see the deep brokenness of the world. Just rather look away. Rather find something entertaining. Rather find something funny. Something, something to relieve it. Oh, but to stare dead on the brokenness and to feel it, it's overwhelming. Uh, it, it overcomes, it brings us to the limit of ourselves. We know we don't have the resources to handle it. To see the brokenness in myself uh, or in politics, uh, to see it in abuse, uh, to see it in human trafficking and in genocide at different times and in different places around the world and abortion and what have you, and any of those things, just to look and engage the actual reality of how broken it is, rips us apart. Blessed are the more. But they realize that we need hope outside of ourselves, and they will be comforted because the King has come. The Savior has come uh, to redeem, to comfort, to bring out, to make things right the way they should be, right? Don't even the, uh, the saints and the martyrs in Revelation before the throne room of God uh, continue to call out to God what? How long? How long, O oh Lord, until you make things right again? Do you make things the way that we, they should be until you bring uh, justice and righteousness and hope? Righteousness doesn't, if when righteousness doesn't just mean being a, a pretty good person or being a little bit better than you were before or a little bit better than the, than the person next to you who's, who's not so great, not the literal person next to you, because you're not comparing yourself to them. 
When, when righteousness means more than that, we start to see that lack of it. Can't we ad- admit how broken uh, we are? Uh, shouldn't we look for, shouldn't we admit that we're famished and we're starving for something to be actually right, all the way right, the way that only God can bring it there? It's just to be accurate. It's to be true about, about what's true about you, what's true about me, what's true about the world around us. We're all, if we're actually acknowledging, hungering and starving for righteousness. Though sometimes instead of doing that, we're, we're stuffing ourselves with other things, with entertainment and distractions to say, it's okay. This will be enough. This will get me through today or through, through tomorrow or through the week. Oh, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst after true righteousness, for they'll be satisfied because the blessing uh, has come uh, in uh, Jesus. It's not pretty, the picture he paints of kingdom disciples here, uh, but it is beautiful. And that, that openness and honesty about the depth of our need is what Christians should be characterized by. Listen, if you know someone says they believe in Jesus, then what do you know about them? You know that they think that they're without hope apart from Jesus. You know that they think that they're a disgusting, horrible sinner that God should condemn because he condemned Jesus. And they're saying, I need Jesus. Uh, So Christians should never have like an an arrogance, a a look down and scorn on others. It's completely contrary to the gospel, completely contrary of what we're saying when we say, I need Jesus. And we want other people to see that about us. Blessed are those who are open about how big their need is and yet still have hope because there's a Savior who is bigger than that need, who fills it all. That's who Christ is, what he calls us to look to himself. He's the one who gives a full blessing. Listen, blessed are the kingdom of disciples for they, they recognize their own need, even though that's costly, and we should be counting the cost as being followers of Christ. But secondly, a blessed are kingdom disciples because they care for the needs of others. Again, though it's costly to do so. That's what, what, what goes on here. The, 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 Listen, the first uh, four Beatitudes certainly still impact our relationship with others. I don't want to cut the, cut the Beatitudes apart so we don't see the connection with them. The first four clearly are still impacting our, our relationship with one another. And these that are remaining uh, certainly still talk about internal characteristics, right? Being merciful is not just something you do. It's something, something that you are, pure and hard, a peacemaker, and so on. But, but I think you can see that development here, can't you? Uh, that, it, that it becomes, after hunger and thirsting and righteousness, that these next ones, they, they look more at how we relate to others. What it is, is that we see, as we see our own need, we're not the only ones with that need. And we should move into the brokenness around us, are caring for the needs of others. Because God's building his kingdom. Because Christ has come to bring hope, and not just hope for us. But it should go to every, uh, for, out from Jerusalem to every language and people and nation. It right? to go to all peoples that here is the hope of the world in Jesus. And so we're to engage uh, that brokenness in a way that reflects what he has done for us and pointing, pointing others to him. 
Listen, those who, uh, who show mercy or those who are, who are pure in heart, and the idea there is, is sincere and truthful without mixed motives. Uh, those who are peacemakers and persecuted for Jesus' sake looks in that way in relationship to others. As Jesus' followers receive grace, so we're to be gracious to others. So we're sort of treat other well in ways not just that they deserve. Uh, the, the followers of Jesus not just should, but are gracious. It impacts and changes us who Christ is and what he has done that we move toward the needs of others around us. We need to, to still learn to do that more, but we do so even, and the passage, as the pastor would describe it, even to personal and present pain. Even when it doesn't just work out well for us to, to engage uh, in these things, uh, that's what he calls us to and calls disciples to. So again there, uh, <coughs> kingdom disciples are those uh, who, who move toward uh, the needs of others in that brokenness, even, even when it's costly, but he's still bringing out that contrast. That this is different. This is distinctive about his followers. It's not just the way that the world operates. Uh, Though there are many people that aren't believers who maybe do a better job in some things than showing mercy, right? Who, who may be great at peacemaking. That's good, right? But, but what Jesus is calling us to isn't just what's there in the world, uh, nor is it just what we might uh, picture in a, in, a, in a religious elite setting of what the Pharisees uh, would have aimed at uh, to do. Listen, it's not the, um, let me just say it this way, it's not the most honorable position that Jesus invites us to, to take up, right? Um, uh, my, my wife's a nurse, and, uh, you know, the, there, there's so much in showing mercy that the nurses engage in. And listen, the doctors are showing mercy as well. If you're a doctor, that's not an ins- I'm so thankful for all in that, in that field that are willing to pour themselves into that. But there certainly is a, is a lower level that someone look, look to of those just, just showing mercy, pouring themselves out uh, for patients in need and not always getting a lot back from it. Right? There's, there's a beauty uh, in that, but it's not always the position that you want, right? It, it's one that, gets, uh, that receives a lot of hurt, that receives a lot of uh, difficulty. And it's not always the, the most honoring position that Jesus is, is calling us to as he mentions these things, though uh, we should certainly place great honor on those who, who serve in that way. Take the worldly sense if the contrast is there. Machiavelli would warn you not to show mercy, Right? If you show mercy, you're going to be looked at as weak. They're going to take advantage of you. You have to respond well, with, with conviction and authority, giving them what they deserve. And uh, Pharisees, they know how to scorn. They knew how to scorn those who are not enough, who are needy and haven't done well enough. That's, that's what they do. Right? Uh, and we're often more, more impressed with the lack of, lack of mercy. Um, uh, it's, it speaks of, uh, beyond that, if we, we look at the, the pure in heart, and again, the sense there is of, is a, of a truth-telling, uh, being, being straight up with it. Listen, worldly politics and, and powers uh, know how to feed people the lies that they want to hear. Uh, they know how to feed us the deception that keeps us on their side. It's the way that it goes. But God's people are not to be like that. We're to be pure of heart. Uh, sincerely speaking uh, the truth, uh, whether, whether it comes back to us well or not. We're on the religious side. 
All right, the closest word that we tend to associate with Pharisees is what? Hypocrisy, hypocrites, fakers. They're, they're trying to look good, uh, but inside, right, they're whitewashed tomb, but inside's dead men's bones. Uh, they're play acting is the idea of the word with it. Uh, that's not pure in heart. That's not sincere, right? It's, it's trying to make yourself seem better before others. And don't we all want to do that? Uh, man, I really would rather you think well of me than know all the things uh, off, off in me. Um, the, this, and the, strut, the straight truth teller uh, loses friends and influence and loses, loses votes. Uh, doesn't always have everyone's greatest respect as they, as they do so. It's a, it's a hard thing that Jesus calls us to. Or blessed are the peacemakers. Have you ever stepped into a fight when two people are, are going at it? Who's the next person to get hit? <laughs> right? It's, it's not the greatest position to get. You're going to get harmed with all the things that are happening if you're, if you're stepping uh, into that fight. Worldly wisdom would say, you've got to control the battle. You've got you to flip the script on them. You've got to take your enemies that are coming against you and get them to fight one another until they're worn out enough that then you can win. This is how you have to, have to play uh, that situation. Or the, or the Pharisees, the religious uh, uh, do-gooders, they're, they're always ready to get in an argument and to show you how they're right uh, and, and to win and to condemn and to point out the faults in all the, all the others, right? Uh, that's not who Jesus' disciples are to be like. Uh, but instead, showing grace to those in need, being merciful, uh, genuine, and concerned uh, for others' uh, well-being. Uh, it's not how you get the promotion, <laughs> It's not how you uh, make a name for yourself. It's not how you get what you want out of just this life now. It's not who is most highly honored uh, in either worldly or religious settings. Uh, it's not just what's, uh, what's most honored. What Jesus is calling us uh, to is what's, what's far more helpful, uh, what's far more fitting Again, just with the truth of reality, as well as with the reality of salvation coming uh, in Jesus, right? You, you matter more to yourself, right? That's, that's for all of us, because we know ourselves, and so we care about ourselves, and we should care about ourselves, but we matter uh, more to ourselves, but, but I don't actually have any more intrinsic worth uh, than, than any other person, Right? But I spend most of my energy concerned for, for me. There's something not exactly fitting about the, the reality to that. If all of us are, are made in God's image, we should act like that. We should be concerned for others' well-being as much as our own. If we heard Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the reality of that we're all here in the situation and needing, needing God and his help. And as he's shown the riches of his grace, uh, particularly as believers, right? He's shown the riches of his grace in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we would be willing, as he meets us in the brokenness of our life, to then show grace to those who definitely do move in uh, toward them. God's covenant faithfulness, right? His love and mercy that endures forever, that endures beyond our failure for him to still send his son uh, on the cross uh, to be condemned and to be raised up that we might have a salvation in his name. 
right? And so instead of being vindictive and punitive uh, in the name of our rights and others' failures, kingdom disciples reflect the character of their king saw our needs and moved toward us with grace. And so we move toward others and show mercy and speak the truth in love, whether it works out well for us or not, and engage to, to make peace. Peace with one another, but peace before God, peace with God, that we would be reconciled uh, with Him. And He draws us that to Himself. And this is what is more helpful. Instead of just fighting for, for our agenda or what works for us in it, he's calling us to fight, to, to be engaged for the benefit of the whole, of humanity made in his image, needing redemption. Because why? Because blessing has come. Because the one who is the source of blessing for all has come. And so we want to engage those who have that brokenness of needs like us and say, there's blessing, there's hope, there's salvation. And Jesus is saying to us that as you pour yourself out toward that brokenness and as showing mercy wears you out because what are the resources that you're able to, to bring that out of it, to, 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 to care again and again, you'll receive mercy. That the pure in heart will see God. The peacemakers get to be called our sons of God. Even though it's not always valued in the world. Uh, even though it won't always just work out for you uh, outwardly, right? Jesus mentions persecution. He says this is where uh, his followers are led because he is the one who brings uh, that blessing. No matter how helpful that persecution can come, we're not to just expect it to be easy or to feel good. But the fullness of blessings of heaven and earth are his to dole out. And he does so abundantly. When Jesus begins his sermon and says, Blessed, 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 for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they shall be called sons of God. He's saying, here salvation has come for I am bringing the blessing of salvation and rescue to my disciples, to those who would realize how deep their own brokenness is and the brokenness of those around them, and would move us toward Jesus. Listen, Jesus is a great preacher. Uh, and Jesus' text uh, here in the Beatitudes is beautiful and worth us continuing to reflect on. And still, it's Jesus who is most worth preaching about and proclaiming as what fills our needs. Jesus is what's most worth are living for as we engage in the world. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? Do you see yourself as a kingdom a disciple? Do you see yourself fitting the description of what Jesus says here? Because Jesus' description here is an offer. It's a free offer to say, come. You can read in this whoever you are and say, well, I didn't want anyone to know that's true, that's true of me. Uh, but I'm broken, I'm needful, I have no hope in myself. And he invites you to come to him with that need and in that openness. He is the way of salvation. If you are a disciple, the other point of it is to, to warn us and to draw us out. Do you see the way that you're like the Pharisees? Do you see the way that we try to operate like the world? That's not who you are. 
If you love Jesus, if this is the salvation that you look to, that's not who you are. Be open about how ugly your sin is, but how great your Savior is. How, how you see other people's needs and you want to move toward it because there's one who's moved towards your needs. That's where the gospel shines. That's when the salt of the kingdom comes through for that Jesus invites us into. But he also frees us to, to be real about that. And he engages and motivates it toward us. Motivates us toward it. Because I hear these blessings and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to. <laughs> That's really great. The blessing part's really great if we could just separate, right? Blessed for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Blessed for they will inherit the earth. Blessed for they shall be called sons of God. But you put in all those middle parts, it's like, ah, can we do this a little differently? So Jesus invites us in, receive the blessing, own up to the truth of it, engage the world the way he's made it. He's bringing that salvation. That's what we get to hope in, uh, not just what we can make for ourselves in the present, but the life he gives in the present that endures forever. Amen.